Travis Wingfield. I'm ready to go in, coach. Just give me a chance. I know there's a lot riding on it, but it's all psychological. Just got to stay in a positive frame of mind. You are Locked On Dolphin, your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphin, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Miami! What's up, Dolphins, and welcome into the Wednesday, July the 11th edition of the Lockdown Dolphins podcast. I am your host, as always, Travis Wingfield, and I'm here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football for the 199th edition of the Lockdown Dolphins podcast. And on today's episode, the offseason is over as far as we are concerned here at Lockdown Dolphins. The next 10 days will be spent previewing every single player on the current roster predicting their chances of making this team, their role once they're on the team, their contract situations, and much, much more. And the first position group we cover today, everyone's favorite, the quarterbacks. That's a 66-yard smile for Ryan Tannehill. And that is a 66-yard smile for Ryan Tannehill after he completed that pass to Kenny Stills back in 2016. We're going to talk about him and the other quarterbacks. But first, I kindly invite all of you guys that have not done so already to please subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Give me a follow on Twitter at NFL. Follow the show at LockdownFins. You guys can find all my GIF and video cut-ups on there, all my breakdowns and just general thoughts about the Dolphins every single day, as well as LockdownDolphins.com, the official blog for the Lockdown Dolphins podcast. Podcast. We post content every single day, including the quarterback piece up there right now, Kenyon Drake's piece from yesterday, the five reasons for skepticism this year. So a little bit for everybody on LockdownDolphins.com and of course, the other Lockdown Sports family of podcasts like the Lockdown Heat podcast and Lockdown NFL podcast. For all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams, we are just 30 days away from an actual Dolphins football game, albeit a preseason game. But nonetheless, we are excited. So let's go ahead and kick this podcast off with the quarterbacks. That's another Miami Dolphins. And unfortunately, we start this podcast today with some disturbing news. Before we get into this, I want to make it abundantly clear that this is a football podcast And I pride myself on keeping political agenda or even entertaining those thoughts in any way, shape, or form as far away from this podcast as we possibly can. So with this news that, again, it's quite gruesome, we're talking about the football implications as it pertains to the Miami Dolphins only. That's it, okay? Is that disclaimer satisfactory? Well, whether or not it is, LaShawn McCoy on Tuesday morning was accused of beating his ex-girlfriend to a point that you don't even recognize her face anymore. The pictures are up on Twitter. It's really, really gruesome looking and really unfortunate what happened to her and just a terrible situation. They're going to find out more regarding who the actual suspect is, whether it is LaShawn McCoy or not. But if it is LaShawn McCoy, he is going to be in some hot water. There were some allegations about child abuse, dog abuse, drug use, PEDs uh, involved in his system and and throughout the course of his offseason program. So a lot to unpack with LaShawn McCoy and a division rival of the Miami Dolphins. And if this stuff comes to a head, if he is guilty of these very, very heinous acts, I have a hard time seeing him getting back onto the football field this year, if at all. And if that's the case in 2018, a couple of those games with the Buffalo Bills down the stretch in December and late November could be the difference between the Miami Dolphins heading back to the postseason for the first time since 2016, or I should say the second time since 2008, or 
losing a game or two of those and missing the playoffs altogether. And with LaShawn McCoy, he is the life force of that entire offense. Right now they're breaking in a rookie quarterback. Their best receiver is Kelvin Benjamin, who probably isn't even the fourth or fifth best receiver on the Dolphins team. A very overrated player since the day he got drafted from Florida State. Zay Jones, who had his issue with running around an L.A. apartment complex high on some type of drug and running around naked and bleeding everywhere. This team is a mess on offense. No Richie Incognito, no Eric Wood, no more Cordy Glenn. And LaShawn McCoy is so gifted in such a huge percentage of the offense. He produces almost half of their entire offensive production as far as yards go. Without him, they go to Chris Ivory, who he's a nice player, but he's not shifty and one of the most elusive runners in the in the NFL right now. So if LaShawn McCoy misses the season, misses those two games with the Dolphins, I don't see any way the Bills win more than a couple of games. I already have them at four or five wins for the entire season as it is. Without LaShawn McCoy, that number goes down, and I like the Dolphins' chances to win those games even more than I already do, specifically the Week 17 finale up in Buffalo that probably is going to have snow and sleet and some type of bad weather. So LaShawn McCoy in some hot water could impact the Dolphins' season. It could not. We'll see. We'll find out more that comes out in the future. And while I also try to pride myself on my ability to to transition and segue smoothly, there really isn't a transition out of that topic. So I'm just going to bring up the next one here on my agenda. And it's this little video clip, or, or I should say audio clip I heard from the Stick to Football podcast with Matt Miller and Connor Rogers. And Matt Miller is one of the most highly regarded names in the scouting industry, Bleacher Report's head scout there for Bleacher Report and college scouting. And he had a comment on his podcast last summer that I didn't hear. I don't listen to the podcast. But he made a note talking about how the Dolphins will have a better chance to go further with Jay Cutler. And if he returns, if Ryan Tannehill returns, they can put him back at receiver where he is better than he is at quarterback. And I really hope that it was in jest. It's hard to tell. It's a brief clip, and I don't really care to go much more into it. But if that's the case, it kind of bogs down my point yesterday about the fact that there are good national media guys with Brett Coleman who did the hard work and the film study and all the stuff that he puts out as elite. And then you have someone like Matt Miller who putting that stuff out into the ether is a very dangerous tool for all journalists and fans alike. So I hope that that wasn't just... And speaking of Jay Cutler, his new reality TV show is now out. I forget the name of it, but I saw a clip. My fiance showed it to me the other day with Kristen Cavallari, his wife, and he's just being a total turd in this kitchen. He won't say hi to their guests they have come over. And it just kind of encompassed the entire season last year with how I felt about watching Jay Cutler captain the ship that is my favorite football team is my favorite passion and hobby in this world and in this life and he just robbed the entire season of us and pretty much was essentially responsible for a whole year of sheer misery for Dolph fans but luckily Jay Cutler is gone and we're going to get into his former position group here next on the training camp preview part one on the quarterbacks up next Locked On Dolphins podcast at Wingfield NFL at Locked On Fins. 10 parts with you here every day leading up until training camp. We are going to have Kyle Krabs of the NFL Draft Network on the podcast. He might cause a little bit of a hiccup in that plan, but nonetheless, we are going to preview all positions here on the podcast. So we're going to start off with quarterbacks, and this one might be a little bit shorter because I only have four players to talk about, whereas like on the offensive line, there's about 75 players to talk about. So we'll try to get through those back into the roster guys as quick as possible on that one. But I want to go over these players and these their contracts, how they arrived in Miami. There is an article up on LockedOnDolphins.com that will coincide with each of these podcasts. So if you want to go look, look at it yourself and look at the numbers that I put up there, there's kind of some stuff you can chew on there and just kind of provide a total guide to training camp. If you go to training camp, go to LockedOnDolphins.com and you can find a good guide to every single player on the roster. But starting here with the quarterbacks up first, 
We've talked about him ad nauseum for several months now, even going into last year when Jay Cutler was quarterbacking. Of course, Ryan Tannehill, the starting quarterback, the unquestioned starting quarterback, the unquestioned leader, the unquestioned focal point of the entire Miami Dolphins season. He comes into the year, six years of NFL service. Obviously, he missed the entirety of his sixth year. He was the eighth overall draft pick in 2012. And he is signed through 2020, so the next three years he is on contract with the Dolphins. His APY annual per year salary is $19.25 million, ranks right about 18th or 17th among NFL quarterbacks, and he is guaranteed $45 million of that money, at least in the entirety of that contract that he signed back in 2015. So he's here. He's the future for the next two years for sure. He'll be the quarterback of the Dolphins. If they draft somebody, he could possibly get replaced next year. But he's the quarterback this year. He's not going anywhere next year. It's a $13 million cap hit to cut him and then only $16 million or $6 million the following year. But just talking about Ryan Tannehill and the way he checks off all of these boxes on the proverbial checklist of buzzwords that doll, that football fans love so much, talking about pocket presence and anticipation and these things that get thrown out there that people really don't know what they're talking about unless you have a background and knowledge of breaking down film, playing the game, whatever it is that gave you that knowledge. If you don't have that knowledge, no offense, but you're really not in a position to talk about these types of traits and inherent abilities that quarterbacks have to have because the game happens so fast and the the very minute details that go into playing the position are so fine that if you really don't pour over it and go into every single game, every single throw, and really try to identify the coverage and the routes and what the team was trying to do, it's hard to get a good idea for what a quarterback actually is. And what Ryan Tannehill actually is, is an athletic, big-armed gunslinger that can win from both inside the pocket and outside the pocket. I thought he looked better in 2016, maneuvering within the pocket and creating passing lanes for himself. His touch, his touch passing has improved throughout his career. The deep ball has improved throughout his career. He can thread tight windows. He is absolutely dynamic, throwing the ball between the numbers, particularly that 15-20 yard range to like tight ends over the top of a linebacker underneath the safety. He struggled his entire career with processing defenses post-snap and putting balls in bad positions in terms of getting picked off. And it's something that he can definitely improve on, but the hope is that he did improve on those things last season with Adam Gaze, and especially the year where he was able to just kind of step back and watch from the sideline and improve on those. So as long as this guy's healthy, he's going to be a good quarterback for us, a top 10 level quarterback in the NFL. I have zero doubt in my mind. That's what we're looking at here with Ryan Tannehill, but who will be his backup is kind of the big question here. And I think that that question may have gotten answered in summer camp, or I should say spring camp, with David Fales kind of elevating his play and earning the the admiration of Adam Gaze. Now, David Fales, number nine, the backup quarterback. He has three years of NFL service. He was acquired in 2017, an unrestricted free agency. He is signed through 2018, so just this year, with $90,000 guaranteed at $790,000 for his base. He played that Week 17 game, looked pretty sharp in that one as far as just being a gamer. He's a guy that probably isn't going to practice the best, doesn't have the big tangibles that you see with the big arm strength and the ability to throw on the move and all that stuff, but he just kind of gets the job done. That's kind of been his career going back to San Jose State, and he was elevated over Jimmy Clausen on the active roster for the Chicago Bears when Adam Gaze was the offensive coordinator back in 2015, and Clausen, a big profile guy, David Fells, not so much, kind of tells you that Gaze probably does have a bit of an affinity 
for David Fales. So I can see Fales definitely winning the backup quarterback job. That's my prediction. David Fales goes into the season as the backup quarterback, and he's only going to be the one of two quarterbacks on the roster because our next guy here, Brock Osweiler, jersey number eight, six years of service. I predict he gets cut this season, doesn't make it past training camp. He was acquired this year in unrestricted free agency. He is signed this year for a $790,000 base with $720,000 of that guaranteed. He has been on a roller coaster of his NFL career so far. Looked decent in Denver, at least enough to get himself a huge contract in Houston. Completely bottomed out as the unquestioned starting quarterback for the Houston Texans. Goes to Cleveland in an unprecedented trade that was basically an NBA-like trade where the Browns sent picks and his salary or excuse me, the Texans sent picks and his salary to the Browns. He played a little bit there. Didn't really work out for him either, but he just is a guy that his mechanics are funky. He's a very tall and awkward, gangly type of quarterback. Doesn't really have what it takes to play this level, so I predict he also gets cut. And then the fourth quarterback on the roster, also being cut by me and me only right now, of course, is Bryce Petty. He has three years of service in the NFL, jersey number 14, came over in unrestricted free agency this year, 2018. He is fully guaranteed signed through this year at $705,000. So Bryce Petty gets himself a nice little paycheck to come down and practice with the Miami Dolphins. But this is basically collecting misfit quarterbacks as John Gruden used to do in Tampa Bay. Now Adam Gaze is doing it here with these guys. But he has to have enough guys to throw balls to all these receivers and tight ends in practice. So that's what Bryce Petty is here for. Played in a wide open offense at Baylor. You hope that maybe his veteran presence can help communicate the offense to some of these younger guys and get them acclimated as quickly as possible because these backup quarterbacks' jobs is to get guys ready to play and get the starting quarterback ready to play. So the fact that David Fales kind of has that in from last year just gives him another step forward in terms of being ahead of Brock Osweiler and Bryce Petty. You know, Ryan Tannehill is going to say, I need the third down reel for the Tennessee Titans defense before opening day, and and David Fales has to go cut that up for him and and get him some notes on that. So the backup quarterback works for the starting quarterback. I'm going to go Ryan Tannehill starter, David Fales is the backup, and Bryce Petty and Brock Osweiler both get cut, enter the season with two quarterbacks on the roster. And I feel good about the position because the starting quarterback, that's really the only thing that it comes down to. If he gets hurt and we have to go to David Fales, I wouldn't feel confident in that. If that is the case, I feel confident in a high draft pick next year and a quarterback class that I tend to be higher on than most going into the season because somebody's going to elevate their game and get themselves to that level. But that is beside the point as long as Ryan Tannehill stays healthy and plays like I think he can. So that's the quarterbacks. We're going to do this every single day with the running backs tomorrow. Wide receivers on Friday. We'll do the offensive line on Monday. Tight ends and specialists on Tuesday the 17th. Wednesday and Thursday, I might combine defensive end and defensive tackles. Have not decided on that yet. If I do not, linebackers will be next. And then the cornerbacks and safeties. And then we're going to be there for training camp. We are right around the corner from football starting off. And we have one more segment on this podcast, on the quarterback preview podcast, the Locked On Dolphins at Wingfield NFL at Locked On Fins. Moving into the final segment, one of the problems that I encounter with recording the podcast early in the afternoons for the following day so I don't always get to all the questions but in this case you guys asked so many questions I couldn't fit it all into one podcast so that's a fantastic problem to have and I please continue to urge you to do that however if you ask multiple questions I'm probably only going to pick one so just keep that in mind as well probably pick your favorite question out of that group but I forgot some from yesterday's podcast let's go ahead and get to this first one here from John Blair at quarterback coach Blair and he asked the my favorite part of being a writer and there's so much that goes into it, John, that it makes me so happy to be able to do this for a living right now. And mostly 
it's just the fact that I get to work at my own pace and I get to stay home and I work when I want to. I don't wake up early. Like I, I, I don't like waking up early, so I don't have to do that anymore. I get to stay up late and watch my Netflix and all my stuff that I watch late at night. And I just get to work around my own schedule. If there's a soccer game on in the day, like today, for instance, I watched France and Belgium. If there's a Mariners game on a matinee, I get to watch that and I can work later into the evening. So I work several hours a day, but it's always different depending on what my schedule dictates. And that's the best part about it in terms of what, what the actual job entails. Now, being a writer, I absolutely fucking love writing and I love words. I love putting together sentences. So don't get me wrong that I'm taking this only for the benefits that it gives you for being that, a writer and being in that job, but I absolutely love the actual work itself too. I, it gets me absolutely giddy when I read my own story back to myself and tell myself that sounds really good. So definitely very passionate about writing, but the schedule, man, you cannot beat it. If you can find a way to work from home, do it. It's the, <laughs> it's the best thing ever. All right, next question comes from Hashtag Alan Gang Gang. This is at Pacific Fin Fan. I think Ron Hyatt, I think is your name, sir, because you communicate with me quite a bit on Twitter and Facebook or on uh, the, the website as well. So thank you very much for doing that. But this is a very good question that Ron posed. Does Balage take over as the full-time return guy or will Grant and Amendola also see action during the games? That's a fantastic question because... I think all three of those guys have been included in the return game, but I think Jakeem Grant's focus is going to be more on receiver this year. The punt game, he is explosive and so much fun to watch with those muffs. You just can't be, you can't do that. If you muff the ball, that you just, you just can't do it because one muff kind of negates even like one touchdown return. So how much are you really getting if he muffs a couple of balls a year? Danny Amendola is so sure-handed, and a lot of teams will do this where. If the, if the opposition is punting from like your own territory to where it's absolutely going to be a fair catch or nothing else, they'll put in a guy like Jarvis Landry, for instance. And that's where I see Danny Amendola taking over that role in the punt returns. But I also think Amendola could get some actual returns where he has a chance to make returns. And if they don't do him, put him in that position, it'll be Jakeem Grant otherwise. Now, Kalen Balaj as the return guy, he's a kick returner. And I think he will be the opening day kick returner for this team. And he'll do a very good job of it. He has very good vision and very good speed and balance. So he can set up blocks and make big plays happen for us there. So great question. And I think that he'll be the full-time kick returner on opening day. And next one here comes from Sean. It's at Sean O underscore Canna. Who is the most important player on the team who needs to step up? or who needs to have a bigger season other than Ryan Tannehill, the quarterback number 17. I I hate to put this kind of stress on a rookie, but I really think that Minka Fitzpatrick could be the glue that holds the defense together in terms of getting Rashad Jones to do more what he does best, allowing those cornerbacks to play physical underneath and not have to worry about where their help is because Minka is so good at finding help and getting into spots where he can contribute in the passing game without playing man coverage. I think that he is going to be just absolutely essential to this defense, getting back to being just decent and not being the tire fire that it has been for the last few years. So I'm going to go Minka Fitzpatrick, next important player outside of Ryan Tannehill. And the last question here comes from Jeremiah. It's at Padre35. Who is the last Dolphins player drafted to make the Pro Bowl or was an All-Pro? Jay Ajayi was a Pro Bowler who got drafted by the Dolphins. Uh, Jarvis Landry was as well. So those will be the last two ones that did that. As far as All-Pro, I don't even know when the last time we had an All-Pro was. Maybe Mike Pouncey or Jake Long back in their early elite days. It's been quite a while since we've had one of those. so But Pro Bowl was definitely JHI and Jarvis Landry in 2015. All right, guys, that's it for the Twitter mailbag. Again, I really appreciate those questions. We'll probably open that back up for you guys sometime next week. And of course, throughout the entire course of the season, we'll have that Twitter mailbag. But as for today's podcast, that is going to do it for us here. 
But really quick before I sign off, I wanted to give you guys a recommendation on Netflix. I'm sure most of you as football fans know about this, but I saw the trailer for season three for Last Chance You on Netflix. That is a phenomenal series. They are changing the school this year. It was at East Mississippi for the last two years. I'm not sure the name of the school now, but it looks as good as ever. Basically goes over these or these community college football players looking to get their lives back on track and back into a position to play Division One college football. So highly recommend Last Chance You on Netflix. That's going to do it for the podcast, guys. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all your local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter at NFL. Follow the show at Locked On Fins and check out LockedOnDolphins.com, your daily written Dolphins content needs. And have a rest, a great rest of your guys' night. We'll talk to you again tomorrow with the running backs on another edition of Locked On Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football.